Well, praise be to God. We are grateful that we can come before the Lord our God, and especially during this particular September, because we are remembering our 34th anniversary. We remember how God has raised us up, and we don't curse that day. We don't say, well, you know what? If God had not made a Bible study, then we would be so distracted by so many things. We'd get to do our own thing. Well, praise be to God. I am so glad God inserted himself in our lives. Amen. And I'm so glad God brought us this far and taught us his word and taught us what is right and what is wrong. Taught us that we don't have to become victims in the world, but we can become overcomers by the principles of the kingdom of God. So we don't know exactly 1982, uh, uh, the date September, that uh, we became a Bible study. And so we just adopt the entire, the entire month of September as our anniversary month. And so we always think gladly of our beginnings. We think gladly of the blessings that God has bestowed upon us. That's what the Bible says, that uh, we are not to forget the many benefits that God has given to us. We're not to forget what God has done for us. But rather we should remember them and allow them to give us a sense of thanksgiving and gratitude that will motivate us to worship Him and thank Him uh, and serve Him, especially when things become difficult, okay? When it's kind of difficult to serve the Lord, when it's kind of difficult to continue with the Lord, it's easy to forget all the good things that God has done for us. But God will not allow us just to forget like that. Amen? So praise be to God, we are grateful we can come before Him. Today we are talking about the goal of being Christ's disciples. Okay? One of the things that God has taught us is that Jesus Christ is not looking for, you know, simple tourists, you know, who will just look at the sights of heaven, who will just look at the, the blessings within the kingdom of God, take whatever he wants, take a souvenir, and then leave. No. He's looking for someone who would stay. He's looking for someone who would commit himself to the kingdom of God. He's looking for people who would say, as you have given your life for me, O Lord, I choose to give my life to you, O Lord, my God. Amen? He's looking for disciples. A disciple is not merely a listener. Okay? A disciple is not merely someone who will take a taste and say, well, see, if I like it, I'll stay. If I don't like it, I'm not going to stay. Or I'll, I'll stay for as long as I feel comfortable. I'll stay for as long as I feel it's convenient. I'll stay for as long as the demands are not too great. Okay? No, he's not looking for someone who will just take a taste test. Okay? But he's looking for people who would Go all in. I'm all in, Lord. I'm all in. I am all yours. And I'm going to live for you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you until the rest of my life. Do you understand what I'm saying? A disciple is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not someone who listens to the word of God and says, well, you know what? I'll see if I can apply this in my life. Okay? It's not someone who says, okay, uh, 
What's the sermon today? Oh, yeah, okay. Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply my every need according to Okay, I'll confess that in my life. Hallelujah. Okay. I like that because God supplies my needs. Oh, and then he hears another sermon on what, what you ask the Father in the name of Jesus he'll give you. Okay, I'll add that to what I want. And then he hears another sermon on uh, the name of Jesus, casting out demons. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll add that to what I want. And then he hears the sermons on forgiving someone when he wrongs you. Oh, that doesn't taste well with me. Uh, scratch that. No, you're all in. Okay? That means uh, you get to embrace the subjects that you like. And some of them call it hallelujah subjects. The subject of faith, the subject of healing, the subject of blessing, the subject of the blessing of Abraham being our, the subject of the name of Jesus, casting out demons, the subject of all the benefits of God. Forget not all of his benefits. Daily he loads us with benefits. These are hallelujah subjects as far as we're concerned, right? Hello? Because we begin to see how it begins to add to us. We begin to see how we profit from this particular thing. But then there are the other subjects that some people say, they're not hallelujah subjects, they're kind of ouch subjects. Like what? Like forgiving someone who has wronged you. Like putting God first instead of putting yourself first. Like being committed, calling to faithfulness, to, uh, uh, to, to God, to ministry, to the principles of the kingdom of God. And, and because you're called to faithfulness and commitment to God, you understand that there are certain things you have to give up just so that you can keep your commitment to God, right? Right? Amen. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, there are things we have to give up. And at the moment we're giving them up, they sound so difficult. It sounds like we're giving up a, 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 a terrific career. But then when we begin to live the life that God has given us, and the blessings begin to come our way, and the fulfillment, the satisfaction, the sharing of the joy of the Lord, you begin to see that what you really gave up it's not really a sacrifice because of what God rewarded you with and keeps on rewarding you with simply because you chose the way of God. You understand what I'm saying? I, I, I was listening to a testimony of this one particular minister. His name's Sean. Uh, he, he moves in uh, terrific in the word of knowledge. But he's, he, he was telling his uh, 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 his testimony, he said that once upon a time, he really wanted to become a football player, an American football player, okay? Uh, growing up, you know, he's, he's sports-minded, he's athletic, he's fast, I mean, he's built for uh, American football, okay? And uh, he was very good at what he was doing, okay? And, and People were saying to him and that he could have a future as a professional uh, football player. 
and we want to become a football player. But in the course of training and becoming that, uh, he felt the, the call of God in his life of being able to minister. Uh, so every now and then he would invite, him, he would accept an invitation to speak to a particular group, a particular church, and he would find out that God would tell him certain things about the people and he would tell them what God wanted them to know and he would find people re released, he would find people happy, uh, and he liked that also. So now he was torn, should I go into ministry or should I take my football uh, dream? I mean, this was a childhood fantasy. And so he was asking the Lord, Lord, uh, I'm really torn. I like to obey, but I really enjoy this stuff. You made me good, Lord. You gave me the body for it. And I know if I can play this, I'll give you glory to yourself. Lord, uh, I ask that you would help me. So one day he comes home. And as he comes home, he, there is a picture frame in his house. It's a picture. And he looks at it every he, he looks at it every time he comes home and he forgets about it. But then as he looked at it, suddenly one half of the frame comes alive. In other words, it's not a television set. Alright? It's a picture frame. There's a painting there. But the painting kind of disappeared and it kind of got split in the middle. Alright? And on this part, it showed him the career of a football player. Showed him there. Showed him how he would do. And it showed him that he would succeed. If he chose the career of a football player, he'll become a millionaire with endorsements. And he'll say to people, I thank the Lord for giving me this. So, in a sense, God was saying, if you choose this, you get your chance to bring glory to me also. And then all of a sudden, on the other side, another scene played out. This time, him ministering as a full-time minister. And so he just kept looking at both because they felt good. Lord, what am I going to choose? And the Lord just said to him, just watch and feel your heart. And so he was looking at the, uh, at the football thing and he was feeling excited about that. Then he'd look at the ministry thing and every time he would see people delivered, people healed, People come to get to know the Lord. People find and discover their destiny in God simply because of his ministry. He felt a sense of satisfaction that was greater than the excitement that he felt in fulfilling the football dream. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? And so he said, Lord, it seems that this is what my heart really wants to do. Because my heart wants to serve you, okay? I know I can serve you here also, but it seems like this is where you and I will both be happy. And so he chose the ministry. You understand what I'm saying? He gave up a possible uh, lucrative football career. You understand what I'm saying? And he's never really regretted that. And the reason I bring that story to you is because sometimes we face the same kind of, of situations because of the call of commitment in 
our lives. Because of the promises we've made to Christ. Because of the pledges that we have made to the Lord. It's so easy to make a pledge or a promise to God. But the Bible says uh, the Lord is looking for those who will keep those oaths and promises to Him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? So we need to see this church. Okay? So let's go to our gospel today. Or rather, let's go to our lesson today. Uh, our lesson basically is this. Christ invites us to be disciples who are willing to give up those things that will hinder us from finishing. Christ invites us to be disciples who are willing to give up those things that will hinder us from finishing. One more time. Christ invites us to be disciples who are willing to give up those things that will hinder us from finishing. Okay? Like I said, God is looking for disciples. A disciple is a follower. A disciple has made up his mind that no matter what happens, I am going to follow the Lord until the end. I'm going to live the life that he has given to me. I'm not going to waste the life that God has given me, but I'm going to become the best Christian that I could ever be for the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, people might be able to accuse me of so many things, but they will never be able to accuse me of, being, of not being a good Christian. In other words, I chose to believe in Christ, and I chose to believe in the things that he has taught us. After all, isn't that what Jesus Christ said? In one of the scriptures, Jesus Christ said to us, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you do not do the things which I say. See, Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, whether, uh, whether people acknowledge him or not, he will always be Lord. But the question is, is he our Lord? Do you understand what I'm saying? See, when we say that he is our Lord, then what we're saying is, we're not going to compete with him. What we're saying is, Lord, when it comes between your desires and my desires, if they're the same, that will be fine. There will be no problem there. But when it comes to your desires and my desires, and they happen to be not the same, okay, I'm not going to even think about it. I'm not even going to sleep on it. I'm not going to even discuss it with others. But if my desires and your desires are not the same, then out with my desires, in with your desires. You are my Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? We, we need to understand that, church. That's, that's what the Lord is doing. And it's easy to say yes. <laughs> it's easy to say yes and say, Lord, you, I, I'll walk with you until the end of my life. You see, when you choose to do that, you will be tested. The end your commitment will be tested. And the enemy will uh, use anything and everything. He will test you in the area of money. He will test you in the area of your uh, dreams. He will test you in the area of recognition or, or you know, uh, your reputation and things like that. Which one are you going to give up? Your following with God or your reputation or your money? 
or your career, or your favorite vacation, or your favorite this or favorite that. There will come times that these things will come to us. You understand what I'm saying? And when those times come, do not falter. Okay? Do not falter, do not fade away, do not wither away. Stand for Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? He stood for us. It's only right that we stand for Him. Amen? So praise be to God. Let's go to our gospel today. Luke chapter 14. <clears throat> verse uh, 26 to 33. But before anything, but before going through there, I mean, if we, if we look at these passages before this, the Lord is teaching us how to live in the kingdom of God. Okay? We know that we, we are all aware, right, that this is not the life, right? Right? There is a better life coming after this. We either enter through that life through death, if the Lord Jesus Christ does not come soon, or when Jesus Christ comes back again and he brings us with him. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? I mean, there is a better life. And in that better life, we're going to get glorified bodies, bodies the same as the body of our Lord Jesus Christ today. What kind of bodies are these? These are bodies that will never age. These are bodies that will never get sick. These are bodies that can exist on earth, it can exist in heaven. These are bodies that can move through time and space and dimensions. Bodies that if we choose to live under the sea, our bodies will not be damaged. Do you understand what I'm saying? Bodies which if we choose to live in the second heaven, we will not burn up, we will not disintegrate. Bodies which if we have, if we choose to walk into the sun, it will not burn up. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? The, I mean, we're going to get extraordinary abilities in the better world. Because in that better world, there will be no Satan. There will be no devil. There will be no bad thing that's going to corrupt. There's going to be no temptation whatsoever. There's not going to be any pain. No loneliness, no disappointments, no depression. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? I mean, how many of you have missing teeth? I have missing teeth. When I get that body, I'll be complete. You understand what I'm saying? And I'll have thicker hair. <laughs> so we need to understand, church. <coughs> This is not the life. This is a training ground for that which is coming. And the Lord has brought it into his kingdom. And he wants us to be trained how to live in his coming kingdom by being trained in kingdom principles here. For example, in uh, chapter 14, verse 1 to 6, talks about a man who was healed on a Sabbath. The Lord wants us to understand this is what he wants for us. That he wants us to be able to walk into a situation of darkness and bring out the presence and the power of God and change that darkness into light. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
And he wants us to be able to do that now. The coming kingdom, yeah, you get to do that, except that you won't have any opportunity to do that. What do you mean? You can't cast out devils. There will be no devils during that time. You can't heal the sick because there will be no sickness at that time. Do you understand what I'm saying? So during this time, the Lord would like for us to be able to walk in uh, situations where it seems like the devil is reigning and by the anointing of God, the presence of God, we're going to change situations around. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Then also from verse uh, 7 through verse 14, uh, he talks about us in the kingdom of God. It is important for us to be humble before Jesus. Uh, the kingdom of God is not us promoting ourselves over somebody else, trying to prove that we're better than somebody else. But rather, in the kingdom of God, it is about being humble. Okay? Because we understand the only reason why we can do certain things is because of the God who has given us the ability to do those certain things. Amen? And then to do the right thing. He says, when you prepare a meal, uh, don't just invite people who can repay you back. But do it for others who cannot do that. God will repay you. In other words, do the right thing. Not because you want something back, but because you want to be able to bless somebody. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? So he wants us to be humble. He wants us to be a blessing wherever we go. And then from verse uh, 15 through verse 24, just before we come to our verses, it talks about the Great Supper and how that people were invited to come in, but they had all kinds of excuses. Uh, tell them I just got married, can't go. Tell them I just got a new business, can't go. Tell them I just uh, purchased a new asset, can't go. And, and the, the Lord says, those guys are not going to uh, taste anything from my inheritance to invite the others. The Lord is telling us not to waste the opportunities that we have to give them. You understand what I'm saying? And then we come to this part that if we want to be able to fulfill all those other things that the Lord has talked to us about, okay? Walking in humility, walking, becoming a blessing to somebody else, walking and bring the presence and the power of God to somebody else, walking in the kingdom of God and, and, and not uh, wasting the opportunity that God has given us. He's telling us, if you want to be able to do that, then you must become a disciple. You understand what I'm saying? And what does it take to become a disciple? If you would notice the very first word of Jesus, it's, uh, it's like a difficult word to read, right? I mean, he's not mixing, he's not, you know, he's not holding back any punches. Oh, by the way, from verse 26 to verse 27, the thought I'd like to share with you is this. Our commitment to Christ must be higher than any other commitment. Our commitment to Christ must be higher than any other commitment. Now, take note what it says. Verse 26. If anyone comes to me. Did you come to the Lord? Okay, guys, this is not a trick question. Did you come to the Lord? Good. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, 
Yes, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. How many of you? How many of you love your dads and moms? How many of you love your wives, your husbands, your sons, your daughters, your brothers? Does that mean you can't be a disciple? You need to understand what the Lord is saying. You have to understand something. We 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 know who Jesus Christ is, right? <coughs> I mean, if there's anyone <coughs> that we know who really loves his parents, it's the Lord, right? I mean, when he got lost as a little kid, and his parents were looking for him, and they found him in the temple. And, and she, she, he was confronted by Mary. He simply asked the question, but I must be about my father's business. But then it says there that he went with them and obeyed them. Okay? And when Joseph died, his earthly father, he took care of the Blessed Virgin Mary, his mom. You understand what I'm saying? And on the cross of Calvary, we, we, we see this on, on Good Friday. On the cross of Calvary, he, he, he looks at John and says, John, behold your mother. Mother, look at John, behold your son. In other words, John, I'm dying now. And you might not understand everything. But I can't take of my mom now because of what I need to do. So John, I'm giving her to you. Take care of her the way you would take care of your mom. Behold your mother. Okay? Mom. Okay? You, you don't understand what I'm, I'm going through right now. Later on you will. But you're not abandoned. You're not forsaken. If you're thinking, Mom, is going to take care of you now? Behold John. Look to him the way you would look to me. Look to him man, the way you would look to a son. He will not take care of you. So we know that when Jesus Christ says something like hate your dad and your mom, it's not literal. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? I mean, Jesus is someone who teaches us to love each other. So what's this thing <coughs> about hate here? <clears throat> well, basically, you need to understand that in their culture, they had what we call figures of speech. And if you take it literally, you will misunderstand it. For example, let's say you buy clothes. And they're nice clothes and you know, you, you, you know, and, and you, you dress up, okay? You prepare yourself, you group yourself properly. Then suddenly you enter the party and every head looks at you and somebody looks at you and says, wow, that is so out of the world. What does he mean that it's so out of the world? You're an alien? Did he mean that you have alien fashion? Is that what he means? No, it's so, 
what, what he says, it's so out of this world, it doesn't literally mean it's out of the world. He doesn't mean that you bought your clothes from Mars. You understand what I'm saying? That's not what he means. But what he's saying is that it's so nice, but the word nice is not enough. So I've got to use something else that will make it bigger than nice. Today, people will say, awesome. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? So you need to understand, this is a, uh, based on their Jewish custom, it's, it's basically a figure of speech, a non-literal and symbolic way of saying something in order to emphasize a point. Uh, this is to highlight the truth that we need to love the Lord more than we love anything else. You understand what I'm saying? See, when the Lord says, you, if you, you can't be my disciple unless you hate your dad, mom, your, your kids, and, you know, and your spouse, that's not an opportunity for you not to reconcile with one of your brothers and sisters which you quarrel with, okay? That's not an opportunity for you to hurt, to hold hurt feelings against your parents because they didn't give you the proper allowance. Okay, that's not that's not an opportunity for you uh, to hold a grudge against your kids because they answered you back in a non-respectful way. You understand what I'm saying? No, that's not what he's he's meant here. Uh, what he's saying, it, the point here is this. It's not to love your family members less, but rather to love God more than you love your family members. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? That's what he's saying. Okay? He's not saying hate your, 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 your loved ones. No. But what he's saying is love God more than you love do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? So we need to understand that, church. It's not to use your family as an excuse why you can't obey God. Okay? As a matter of fact, I, I told one particular minister, if you keep using your family as an excuse why you can't obey God, do you understand that you are exposing them to danger? And he says, what do you mean? Well, this is God and you need to obey him, but you can't do it because this is your family. You made your family like an idol besides God. It cannot be. Now, there are situations when, when it is kind of urgent, okay? When you have to attend to your family over other things. We understand that. But for some, it's always like that. Family is always the excuse why they cannot fulfill their pledge to God. It doesn't work. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if that's true all the time, why would Jesus Christ even say? Amen? So it's not to love your family less, but rather it is to love God more than you love your family. Says, he says, and yes, even his own life is not 
When he says to hate our own life, it's not saying for us to, it's okay to commit suicide. No, it is never okay to commit suicide. Okay? Uh, but what he's saying is this, like that guy, what he wanted to do in life is to become a football player. That was his ambition. But then he's, the call of God came in his life to become this. And he had to choose between the two. And so he chose this over this. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in a sense, it looked like he hated his own life, but he did not. He loved God more than fulfilling his own ambitions in life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you learning something from this? Okay. I hope we got through that. And he says here in verse 27, Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Okay, what is the cross for Jesus Christ? The cross was something that he had to go through in order to give to us the plan of salvation, in order to open salvation to us. Okay, remember the garden of Gethsemane where he prayed, Lord, if it is possible, why? Take this cup away from me. But I'm glad he didn't end that with a period. Okay? But he said, not my will, Father. Your will be done. Jesus had to go to the cross. If Jesus avoided the cross, then the price for our sin would not be paid. If the price for our sin was not paid, then God would demand that we would pay it ourselves. You understand what I'm saying? But we cannot even pay for our own sin. The sacrifice of giving our own life for our own sins would not be enough. Why? Because our lives were not perfect. Do you understand what I'm saying? We still sin in thought, in word, and in deed. Right? Right? How many of you during the week you've said to God, Thank you, Lord? Right? But also, how many of you have said, I'm sorry, Lord? Yeah, we, it's, you know, we make ourselves sorry, Lord. Then we receive the message, thank you, Lord. Sorry, thank you. Sorry, thank you. You know, it, that's just how our life is, right? We make mistakes. We humble ourselves before God. When a blessing comes, we thank the Lord. When we make a mistake, we apologize to the Lord. I mean, we, we don't come to the point where I mean, I've never heard somebody say yet, you know what, 10 years ago, I never apologized to the Lord anymore. Why? Because I never said <laughs> Never met someone like that. Yeah. And if I did, I'd tell him, that's your first mistake, go apologize. <laughs> Alright? So we need to understand this, church. The cross is something that we needed to do. Now, our cross is the responsibility that we have to fulfill as our part in the kingdom of God. And this is the reason why we said yes, because we wanted to fulfill our responsibilities in the kingdom of God. In the beginning, it's exciting. In the beginning, it's joyful, you know, we're filled with dreams and visions. But then, as we are fulfilling this, then sometimes reality begins to set in. Don't we have time to celebrate Christmas anymore? Don't we have time to go on vacation somewhere? Don't we have time to do this and do that and this and that? 
Why can't we be like other families if they can do this during Christmas time? We can because we have these connectors. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? So we need to understand that, church. That's our cross. And just as Jesus Christ carried his joyfully, so we fulfill ours joyfully. Do you understand what I'm saying? We obey God with joy and with gladness. We serve God with joy and with gladness. Amen? So we need to understand that, church, okay? So we need to see that. Uh, I mean, there's, I mean, think about it. What does God require of us in order to do what we can for Him? It's not like what He required of the others. I looked at some of the apostles and I followed some of their lives. And, you know, just because of the faith that they needed to defend and, and preach, this is what happened to the early apostles. St. Andrew died on a cross. It's an X cross. Simon was crucified. Bartholomew was skinned alive. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded. The other James, the son of Alphaeus, was beaten to death. Thomas was pierced through with a, with, with a lance or a spear. Matthias was stoned and then he was beheaded. Matthew was slain by the sword. Peter was crucified upside down. Saint Jude Fides was, sh uh, was shot to death with bows and arrows. Philip was hanged. Saint John was the only one who survived to old age and died because of old age. Now these are just some who have given up their lives. There are some people in the Middle East right now, Christians in the Middle East, who are giving up far more than we are, what we are required to give up for the faith. Because they want to carry their cross faithfully. If they can become disciples in the Middle East, in the most difficult and horrendous of circumstances, how much more can we become disciples here in the Philippines? We're not facing that kind of opposition. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? Now, from verse 28 to 33, Christ is calling us to a total commitment to follow him to the end. Let me just read certain verses, and I'm just uh, going to shorten some of these things. Are you learning from this? All right. Uh, verse 28, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and, and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation, and is not able to finish or to see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. In other words, if you're going to follow the Lord, make up your mind. No matter how hard it gets, you are going to finish. Amen? It's not a matter of, I'll try. You want to become my disciple? I'll try. I'll see if I can make it. I'll see if I can finish it. I'll see if things don't come too difficult, you know, if they become too difficult, then I reserve the right to punch the panic button and get out. No, that's, it's not, there's no trying with God. It's either you do or you don't. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
And according to the book of Deuteronomy, which we learned in the first reading, the life can only be found in obedience to God, in clinging to God, not outside of God. Okay? And he's saying here, basically, the, the way for you to, uh, uh, to finish is to make up your mind, yes, I will do it. Okay? Not, let me see. Are you coming? Let me see. Are you coming? I'll try. Normally they don't really show up because the slightest excuse will dissuade them from fulfilling what they want to be able to do. Jesus Christ saying, commit. Understand what I'm saying? Some people say, well, I want to see first what is required before I commit. I want to see if I can do it. Now, this is a jump of faith in God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello. You need to believe that when you say yes to God and you face a really, really, really difficult situation, then the ability and the power uh, needed in order to overcome that, God will provide at that moment. God will not give you the power if you don't need it yet. Do you understand what I'm saying? The moment the need arises, the solution is there. The moment the problem is there, the power is there. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? So make up your mind. Jump with God. Alright? Jump into the boat. Then let me continue with this. Well, what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first, consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet with him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions for peace. Same principle. Just have to make up your mind. I'm going to do it. I'm not so odd if the, the odds are so great. It might look like you're going to war, you've got only 10,000, and your enemy is coming to you with 20,000. And it's, it's, it's an impossible situation. Okay? What God is saying is if you make commitment to him and then there arise situations in your life that it looks like it's going to be impossible for you to fulfill what you promised to God the power to overcome the ability to fulfill God will give it to you did not Jesus Christ say if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Okay? All things are not possible to him who finds many excuses. All things are not possible to him who rationalizes why it cannot be done. All things are not possible to him who would consider the circumstances more than a kingdom of God. But to him who would dare to believe, all things are possible. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then the Lord repeats the requirement. <laughs> Verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. We must be willing to turn our backs on those things that will push us away from fulfilling our divine destiny with God. 
What Jesus Christ is saying here is this. Jesus fought for us. Jesus died for us so that God's dreams might become available for us. And what he's saying is this. It is worth fighting for that which Jesus Christ fought for us. You understand what I'm saying? Whatever it is that we need to give up, we need to give up. Nothing is worth missing what God has for us. He calls us to be disciples. Our answer should be yes. We will be disciples until the end. Amen? How many of you learned something today? Praise God, let's all stand together.